Today's message is entitled, The Remnants and the Refiner's Fire. I hope that today you will find a great lesson in it. Because we believe that we are living in some of the final days of Earth's history. Isn't that remarkable? That's just a very solemn time to live in. It was August of 1950. Before we go into the rest of the story, I'd like for us to seek the Lord in prayer quickly. I'd like to start with a prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, be with us. Send your Holy Spirit, and may he guide us into all truths, we pray. In the name of your Son, Amen. August 1950. The Korean War had been going on for more than a month now. The communist North Korean forces, like a juggernaut, steamrolled through South Korean defenses and seemed on the verge of a decisive victory. You see, a mere five years after the end of World War II, Americans were weary of war. But the alarming growth of communism proved too threatening. The newly formed United Nations implemented a plan to keep South Korea from being wiped off the map. The troops of the United States and other nations were sent and war broke out. The South Koreans were pushed to the Pusan perimeter and almost into the sea. But the UN forces began to slowly and painfully push back. This pushback was made possible only by the resiliency of the coalition troops. But also notable in the effort was a corps of student soldiers hastily recruited as regular South Korean infantry units retreated in disarray. These young men drafted into poorly armed companies right out of the middle of their high school years, were ready and willing to fight and die to protect their homes and their way of life. The most famous of these young men, known as the Pohang 71, were commanded to defend the Pohang Girls' Middle School. Knowing that this meant fighting under-equipped, and outnumbered, they still held their ground and kept a well-trained and well-armed North Korean communist regiment from capturing the town for a full 11 hours while the United Nations forces regrouped. The 71 soldiers were armed with just an M1 rifle and some grenades, And after repulsing several North Korean attacks and running low on ammunition, the survivors fell back. And out of the 71, only 23 survived. One of those teenagers was Kim Man-kyu. He was captured by North Koreans and faced an execution squad twice. But the Lord had other plans for this man. The two times he faced a firing squad, both times were interrupted. The first time by a fighter jet that strafed the communist soldiers who ran and hid. 
The second time, his would-be executioners took shelter as a heavy downpour of rain made them reschedule the execution. But Kim Mankyu didn't meet that second appointment. He and another student soldier were able to escape in the middle of the night, and he survived the war. He later became a Christian minister and fought a different kind of battle, one against unseen forces of darkness and brought many to the feet of the cross. Like the outnumbered student soldiers who seemed to be placed in insurmountable odds, God's remnant people faced a very difficult battle. It is actually so difficult that overcomers in this battle are given crowns that last forever and enjoy many privileges. The Bible tells us in Revelation chapter 2 verse 7, He that hath an ear, and guess what it says, To him that what? Overcometh. I will give to eat of the tree of life. Revelation chapter 2 verse 11, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the children churches, and he that over what? Cometh. I will give to eat of the hidden manna. Revelation chapter 2 verse 26, and he that what? Overcometh and keepeth my works unto the hand. To him will I give power over the nations. Revelation chapter 3 verse 5. He that overcometh, the same shall be clothed in white raiment. And I will not blot out his name from the book of life. Revelation chapter 3 verse 12. To him that what? Again, there it is. That overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God. Revelation chapter 3 verse 21. To him that what? Overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne. In Revelation chapter 21 verse 7. He that overcometh shall inherit all things and I will be as God and he shall be my son. How many verses there? Right in just the first few chapters of Revelation do we see the word, he that over what? Cometh. Why is that so? You see, the work of refining metal is not an easy task. The process is such that all impurities need to be removed. But once completed... However, the finished product is all the bit worth the procedure. And you can be sure that our God's work with us is very similar. He is depicted in the Bible as a refiner to our impure metal, the potter to our miry clay. And God desires to have a remnant of saints that keep his commandments and have the faith of his son, Jesus Christ. You ever wonder why God allows certain trials and events to occur in your life? Sometimes certain things are a result of our own mistakes and wrong mis misdoings, but other things that do come up seem to just make life more difficult. And it is tempting to think that the Lord has left you to the mercy of the devil, but not so. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 5 tells us, Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as ye have. For he hath said, who hath said this? God 
He hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. It is a solemn time to live in. In an age of technological advancement that a few mere decades ago could not even be imagined by any. We are in an age of political turmoil. Social upheaval is no longer an aberration, but a normal way of life. We are advanced in our understanding of psychology and neurology, but yet there is no medical or scientific solution to the growing madness of crime perpetuated by men. 9-11, the war on terror, crime, racial tension, political mud flights, earthquakes, and other natural disasters that have claimed the lives of millions in the window of less than two decades. The social, political, and spiritual outlook of our world seems bleak and only seems to drain deeper into a bottomless abyss. While the rest of the world retreats in agony, In the final throes of sin's last hurrah, God's remnant few hold on determined to defend the government of God to the last man, woman, and child. And they overcome by the blood of the Lamb. Revelation chapter 12. Revelation chapter 12, verses 10 and 11. The Bible tells us, And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now is come salvation and strength in the kingdom of our God and the power of His Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. And they overcame Him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives unto death. This is quite a stand that we see here. Like the 71 student soldiers that stood against a ferocious enemy at Pyongyang that outnumbered them. God's few, a band of brothers. To those men, it was their baptism of fire. And while they stood to protect those that they loved, their struggle brought to all of them hardship, pain, suffering, and to most of them, even death. Yet the cause was just. And while their victory wasn't holding out until reinforcements could keep the enemy at bay, it was a stand to remember. Malachi chapter 3 verses 2 and 3 are a scripture reading this morning. But who may abide the day of his coming, who shall stand when he appeareth? For he is like a refiner's fire, like full as soap. And he shall sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. And he shall purify the sons of Levi and purge them as gold and silver that they may offer unto the Lord an offering in righteousness. Every day, the adversary's darts are hurled towards us, seeking to topple us through our weak points. We must realize that the Lord is allowing us and testing us to equip us for the task that he has for us ahead. Yes, we are weak, we are feeble, and can do nothing of our own. But this is the very reason that we can endure and overcome. How do we know this? For in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, Christ himself tells us, And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I glory, rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. 
Christ becomes our strength. He becomes our healing. He becomes our life. And while God refines us as individuals, He also refines His church. Impurities will be cast out and Laodicea will finally heed her calling as a final church in Christian history. She sleeps at the present moment, but you and I can help her awake out of slumber to meet the bridegroom with oil in our lamps. It is no secret that God hates this church. He has thrown all manner of attacks from its inception, from the alpha of apostasy that crippled but did not destroy the ministry of the church. Pantheism and panentheism died a natural death. And it never saw any significant success. And even more subtle attacks were conducted to test the weak points of the church. And while Satan tried to destroy the sanctuary message in the era leading up to Glacier View, he was thwarted. And the shaking and the refining continues. You see, there are many well-intentioned Seventh-day Adventists that chase after a pet theory here and there, being brought about by every wind of doctrine. These doctrines seem attractive and plausible, but the devil has been using them to distract from the three angels' message. Erroneous ideas go around, such as the idea that we need to believe that the Holy Spirit is not the third person of the Godhead. We find nowhere in divine inspiration where God asks us to make this attesting truth. This theory has been gaining ground among certain conservative Adventists. But the truth is not based on a trend here or there. It is based upon God's Word. The Word of God describes the Holy Spirit as another comforter. And that He testifies of Christ and not of Himself This is definitely talking about a separate person or being. And this is made clear in John chapter 14. But we expect to see such attacks against God's church because Satan wants the remnant to fail in its mission. With distractions and errors abounding, our focus must be truly upon Christ, the Logos, or the Word. God stands as a refiner and purifier of His church. Do you dismay at seeing the corruption and error being taught and imbibed at every level in church organization? We should never call the church Babylon or suggest that we should call faithful members out of God's organized church. What we should do is we must pray for and be an accessory to a revival of primitive godliness among us. From Testimonies to Ministers, page 373, Inspiration tells us, Just how soon this refining process will begin, I cannot say, but it will not be long deferred. He whose fan is in his hand will cleanse his temple of its moral defilement. He will thoroughly purge his floor. God has a controversy with all who practice the least injustice. For in doing so, they reject the authority of God and imperil their interest in the atonement. The redemption which Christ has undertaken for every son and daughter of Adam. You see, God's remnant will return and fulfill her destiny. It's not a question of whether it will happen, but when. Isaiah chapter 10. Starting with verse 16. Therefore shall the Lord... The Lord of hosts, 
Send among its fat ones leanness, and under his glory he shall kindle a burning like a burning of a fire. And the light of Israel shall be for a fire, and his holy one for a flame. And it shall burn and devour his thorns and his briars in one day, and shall consume the glory of his forest, and of his fruitful field, both body and soul. And they shall be as when a standard bearer fainteth, and the rest of the trees of his forest shall be few that our child may ride them. And it shall come to pass that in that day that the remnants of Israel, such as are escaped, of the house of Jacob, shall no more again stay upon him that smote them, but shall stay upon the Lord, the Holy One of Israel, in truth. And the remnant shall return, even the remnant of Jacob, unto the mighty God. For though thy people Israel be as the sand of the sea, yet a remnant of them shall return. The consumption decreed shall overflow with righteousness. For the Lord God of hosts shall make a consumption even determined in the midst of all the land. You see, when God's few, this band of brothers who are sealed, the saints that keep God's commandments and have the testimony of His Son are ready to stand against all odds. They will do so by the power of the blood of the Lamb. They won't worry about being outnumbered. They won't fret about being unpopular. What they worry about is being right with God through Jesus Christ. On October 25, 1415, Ad Agincourt, in the region of Pas-de-Calais, in France, King Henry V of England surveyed the troublesome sight before him. He only had a motley array of longbowmen, archers, and footmen numbering at most 7,000. But the approaching French army had at least four times his number, and some historians even say up to 30,000. Many of them armored knights on horseback. Far from home and no way to cross the English Channel to get there, Henry V decided to make a stand. The ground was muddy and wet from rain the day before. But still confident in their numbers, the French army advanced in formation. Since a large portion of their numbers consisted of armored knights on horseback, the French suddenly began to become bogged down in the mud. Their numbers began to work against them. The vast majority of the English army were equipped with a longbow and they used this with deadly efficiency. And within three hours, the French army was reeling and utterly defeated. Heavily outnumbered and seemingly assured of defeat, this small English band of brothers, as immortalized by William Shakespeare, accomplished the impossible. We few, we happy few, we band of brothers, for he today that sheds his blood with me shall be my brother. Be he ne'er so vile this day shall gentle his condition, and gentlemen in England now abed shall think themselves accursed they were not here, and hold their manhoods cheap whilst any speaks that fought with us upon this day. May we, the small band of brothers, the remnant of God, fight the f good fight of faith,
refined by the refiner's fire, ready to claim victory in Christ Jesus in this great controversy. May this be our fervent prayer. Shall we pray? Holy God, we ask today that you empower us with thy spirit. That you help us, no matter how hopeless and how outnumbered we may seem, or how unpopular it is, that we may stand against a ferocious foe. May you uplift this church down from its lowest level to its highest. And that you, as a head of this church, work to finish your work through us. We know that your coming is soon. And we pray that you uphold us with the power of your might. That we may overcome and be as your word declares, here are they that keep the commandments of God and have the faith of Jesus. May we be that people, O Lord. We thank you. And we praise you that you have made all this possible through the sacrifice of your Son, Jesus Christ. And in his name we pray. Amen.